text for the sermon this morning is Genesis 50, verse 25. Genesis 50, verse 25. We'll read that verse again. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been to Egypt. Maybe you've seen pictures of what's in Egypt, those big pyramids, immense structures built by rulers of Egypt in ancient times, thousands of years ago. Don't even know how they were they were built. Can only theorize about that. And I don't know if you thought about it, but there were already pyramids in Egypt who had been standing, which had been standing there for hundreds of years when Joseph was a slave and went to Egypt. When he was sold as slave and, and was dragged off to Egypt, those pyramids were there already. When Joseph lived in Egypt, he must have seen the great pyramid of Khufu, almost 150 meters tall with a base covering five hectares. It was ancient when Joseph was king of Egypt already. And at that time, there were still pyramids under construction too, being built for the royalty and the rulers of Egypt of the time. And you know that they built those structures as memorials to the deeds of those rulers as well as in order to preserve their bodies somewhere inside those pyramids because the Egyptians thought that a person's soul would pass into the underworld and live there as long as his body was preserved and protected here too. And that's why rulers had their bodies mummified and bombed and placed deep inside great pyramids. They wanted to live on in the afterlife in the underworld. In our text for this morning, Joseph is on his deathbed. Apparently, he died before a lot of his brothers did because he spoke to them about what they were to do with his body after he died. Spoke to his brothers and the children of Israel. And note that he didn't ask them to build him a pyramid. Joseph had saved Egypt. He had, in fact, saved the known world of that time from famine, from starvation in famine, that seven-year famine. And his Egyptian name, Zavanath Paniach, means something like savior of the world. He'd been a great leader of Egypt under Pharaoh. 
a great leader. So why, why no pyramid for Joseph? Later on, it says in the Bible that there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph and what he had done for Egypt. And no wonder he didn't know Joseph or what he had done for Egypt because Joseph never had a pyramid built for himself. That's why he was so easily forgotten later on. No, Joseph didn't command a pyramid to be constructed for him. Instead, he had his relatives swear that when God visited them there in Egypt and brought them back to Canaan as he promised, they were to take his bones along with them. And we read from Exodus how the Israelites, hundreds of years after Joseph's death, remembered to take along that coffin containing his bones when they left Egypt under Moses at the time of the Exodus. And we also read how after the Israelites settled in Canaan, after carrying that coffin along for more than 40 years through the wilderness and so on, the, the body of Joseph was finally buried in Shechem on the piece of ground Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor. Why did Joseph make that request so that the Israelites had to lug his coffin along for 40 years as they went through the wilderness? Well, it all had a purpose as the various references to our text throughout Scripture as we read them show us I proclaim to you God's word in the text under this theme. Joseph's request about his bones shows how he died in faith. And we see that in our text, that our te in our text, we read about Joseph's request that it was a personal confession of faith. And in the second place, that Joseph's request was also a public call of faith for all God's people. So, Joseph's request about his bones showed how he died in faith. Two things. His request was a personal confession of faith, and his request was a public call of faith for all God's people. So first of all, a personal confession of faith by Joseph through this request. Hebrews 11, we read that part of that, Hebrews 11, and it was... You know, that's a chapter about faith. It says that uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's what faith is. You believe God's promises, even though you don't know and don't see how those promises are going to be fulfilled, how in the world that's possible. And you live your whole life right up to the end, hoping in, but not seeing, the fulfillment of those promises. And Hebrews 11 lists numerous examples of faith from the Old Testament. People who lived and died in that faith without seeing what they believed. Joseph's name is also found among all those Old Testament believers in Hebrews 11. It says at the end of the chapter, about all those people, including Joseph, that they, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive 
what was promised, didn't receive that in this life. Their whole lives have been directed to receiving what, what God had promised. They didn't live for themselves, just seek a nice quiet life for themselves here. No, they were willing to give up money and success and a nice easy life and even their lives in order to hold on to God's promises, in faith in God's promises. They sought their life and joy, in other words, in God's promises rather than in the realities of this life. What had God promised them? We read about that in Hebrews 11, verse 16. God promised and they looked forward to a better, a heavenly country or city. Hebrews 11, verse 16. And in verse 10, it mentions Abraham looked forward to the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In other words, they looked to the fullness of God's kingdom. The completion of his redemption and the new heavens and the new earth. Then they would have received the life which is life indeed from God. So when these Old Testament believers died, that city with foundations whose builder and maker is God hadn't come yet. God had promised a complete and glorious salvation a savior and new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, those Old Testament believers died without seeing what God had promised. But the point in Hebrews 11 is that they died in that faith. They believed right up to the point of their death that God's redemption was complete and they had a glorious future ahead of them. And that's how Joseph also died in the same faith without seeing. Joseph had been blessed by God in his life. He had become the ruler of Egypt. But he was also conscious of the fact that even though he had been lifted up so high, he had not received the most important thing yet. He had not received the, the completion of God's redemption yet, the fullness. Being a ruler of the known world. But God had promised a perfect king who would rule over the world in complete righteousness. Joseph's name was Zaphonath Paniath, savior of the world, but that name hadn't gone to Joseph's head. He believed in God's promise of someone who would be the ultimate savior of the world. The ruler God promised by the mouth of Jacob before he died, when he blessed his sons, a ruler who would spring out of Judah and give eternal life to people of all nations. So, in actual fact, Joseph was looking forward to Jesus Christ and the fullness of his kingdom. And Joseph lived for that. He lived for that. And you see that when he says to his brothers at his death in our text, God will visit you. God will visit you. That means, as we see from the previous verse, that Joseph believed that God was going to bring the Israelites out of Egypt into the land he swore to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And then in Canaan, he would work it all out, his, his salvation. He would work that out there. 
There, the eternal kingdom of the, the Messiah would be established. And that kingdom would become a kingdom in which there was life and peace forever. That's what Joseph believed and hoped in. He knew he was going to die. And that meant that death and sin still reigned in this life because death is the result of sin. But Joseph believed that things were not going to stay that way. Believed that God is faithful, that he would defeat sin and death via Israel. And that's why he had chosen Israel as his own people. And that's why he had worked it so that Joseph had ended up in Egypt. That's why he had kept the house of Jacob through the famine via Joseph. He wanted to keep the house of Jacob because he wanted to make Israel a great nation. He wanted to bless all peoples through Abraham. Wanted to bring the Savior into the world to overcome sin and the devil and his whole dominion and to establish an eternal kingdom. Well, Joseph lived in that faith and as we see in the text, he was dying in that faith. He not only looked back in thankfulness, saying, Lord, you worked out all things for good. He also looked far ahead in faith and hope toward the Savior and to the eternal kingdom of peace. He trusted that the Lord would continue and complete his work of redemptions. Jacob's sons were not going to stay in Egypt. They would return to Canaan as God had promised Abraham already and in the promised land the complete victory over sin and death would come out of the tribe of Judah. And that's why Joseph had his brothers swear that his bones would be buried, not in Canaan, put in a pyramid, but in, in, not in Egypt, but in Canaan, the promised land. That was a confession of faith in the promise that the victory over sin and death would be given by God there. He didn't want his body mummified and preserved in a pyramid to give his soul eternal life or soul. No, Joseph believed in the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body and eternal life through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ as we now know. And he professed that faith when he asked that his body be buried, be taken along and buried in Canaan. And that's why he's mentioned in Hebrews 11. He died in faith, looking forward to that city with foundations. That eternal city. That's dying in faith, congregation. Not just thinking about your own little life here, but thinking about God's work of salvation, which he has promised in his word to people of all nations and tongues and tribes. Maybe you've been able to achieve a lot and see a lot in your life, been everywhere, done everything. And then, but then you just don't just only look back in satisfaction on all that when you're old, maybe even dying. You don't just look back on satisfaction and all that. That would be cold comfort. Say, well, I've done all these things. I've finished my bucket list. Cold comfort. No you would find your joy, wouldn't you, in being able to also look ahead in faith and longing 
to the fullness of God's redemption after this life. That would be your joy. Not that you finished your bucket list, but everything that's coming. Or maybe you'll think at the end of your life, I wish it had been a lot more. I haven't been able to accomplish half of what I wanted to and could have. Fallen so far short in so many things. It would be sad if you could only look back at that time. But also then, you can look ahead in faith, trusting that God will accomplish for you what he has promised to you, what he wants to do for you. Jesus Christ has paid for your sins and opened the way to life, eternal life, as we celebrate this afternoon with the Lord's Supper too. The, the fullness of his glory is coming to you. So as believer in God's promises, you don't have to be afraid to leave this life either, whether you've achieved much or little. In faith, you don't have to be afraid to leave this life, as long as you've lived in faith too. You can leave this life comforted, confessing like Joseph on his deathbed that God will certainly bring about his full salvation. And you have even less reason than Joseph to doubt God's promise of everlasting life, don't you? Because you know the gospel of Christ's cross and resurrection. And he said he was going to come again to bring us into his kingdom of glory. So let's live in that faith, faith in his return. Also, you young people who, who, so to speak, have your whole life ahead of you yet. Joseph lived in faith already when he was 17 years old. We saw that in the first sermon. He was 17 years old, and he lived in faith. Saw that over the past sermons about Joseph. He was busy with God's promises in his life. He lived in faith in God's promises when he was young already, he lived out of those promises during his lifetime, and he still lived out of those promises when he was 110 years old and on his deathbed. The same. And he could confess his faith on his deathbed with that request about his bones. He died in faith. And congregation, if we're going to leave this life in faith like that, then we need to live in faith like that now already too. And then when it comes our time to leave this life, we can still have confidence about the future then too. Even if we don't see it, we believe it, we know it'll come to us, and we'll be able to, in faith, look forward to that city which has foundations, like Joseph, we come to the second point of the sermon. Joseph also requested his body to be buried in Canaan's, Canaan as public call to faith directed to God's people. Why, congregation, did Joseph not want his bones buried in Canaan right after his death? Because that would have been the easiest, right? If they had just, he, he died, 
They had embalmed him, put him in a coffin, and then carried him off to Canaan right away. Why wait all those hundreds of years until they left Egypt again as a nation? Well, Jacob, when he died, he requested that his body be buried right away in the cave of Machpelah, where Abram and Isaac had also been buried in Canaan. And that was, that's what happened. Joseph didn't ask for that. He wanted his body to be put in a coffin, stored away there in Egypt, until the Israelites were going to return to Canaan hundreds of years later. And then the Israelites would have to carry that coffin to Canaan when they moved back there. Why that request to do it that way then? Well, Joseph, you see, wasn't only busy with his own personal salvation on his deathbed. He was conscious of the fact that he was part of the covenant people, part of the church of the past and of that present and of the future. He felt union and communion with all God's people. He was conscious of the fact that God's salvation is not an individual thing, that, but that God works salvation for Israel and for a church gathered from all people. He was part of a people. So we have to look ahead in faith to God's salvation of, as people of God too. Not just as individuals, but as church here and church of all places and all times. That's how Joseph lived and also died in communion with all God's people. And he wanted to keep that communion with all God's people even after his death. And he wanted to encourage them to keep believing God's promises. And that's why he made that strange request that his body be carried back to Canaan and be buried there when the Israelites returned to that land. By making the brothers and their descendants swear that his body would be carried up to Canaan and buried there, Joseph could speak to the Israelites long after he had died. With his bones in that coffin, he wanted to keep pointing the Israelites ahead to the fulfillment of God's promises. The promise to provide redemption and give eternal life. So the dead Joseph still spoke to Israel and all God's people of all times, reminding them of God's wonderful promises. Of course, Joseph didn't know at that time exactly how difficult things were going to become for the people of God in Egypt, how they would have to endure hard slavery for many years, and how later a ruler of Egypt was determined to wipe out the Israelites by killing all the firstborn boys, throwing them into the Nile River. And he didn't know that at that time they would groan under slavery and oppression. They would be asking, where is the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob? But, but with that request, then too, that coffin with Joseph's bones in it stood there somewhere in Egypt and the people knew it 
and it was a constant call to them to believe in God's promises for the future and to look ahead in faith. Those that coffin with Joseph's bones, in fact, said to the people of Israel, hope in God. He's working towards the glorious fulfillment of all his promises. He is faithful. Remember my life, my Joseph's life. Remember my death. The glory of Israel never lies. After you have suffered a little while, the God who has called us to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. That's what those bones were in fact saying there to the people of God in Egypt when they were under oppression yet. And congregation, when the Israelites departed from Egypt after the plagues, they took along that coffin with the bones of Joseph as we read in Exodus 13. And they carried Joseph's coffin through the Red Sea with Pharaoh and all his host breathing down their necks running with that coffin, afraid. And when they crossed the Jordan River and entered the land of Canaan with Joshua, those bones of Joseph came through the Jordan River too. And all that time in the wilderness too, in between brothers and sisters, that coffin was a powerful reminder to the Israelites to look ahead Keep trusting in the God of the covenant and all his promises. For children's children through the generations, the Lord shall work his vindication. And congregation, that's what living but also dying in faith is about, right? Joseph didn't only think about himself, about his own salvation, personal salvation. He thought about the communion of saints, too, on his deathbed. That's why that request about his bones, ultimately, too. On his deathbed, Joseph sought to encourage his brothers and sisters in the Lord, even those in the distant future, even us here today, to encourage us to look ahead to God's promises, the fulfillment. Joseph sought the good and the salvation of the communion of saints, the whole church. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to make a request like Joseph did to have our body buried in the promised land of Canaan or so. We don't have to expect a savior to come to Canaan anymore to a promised land like that. Christ has come. He has done his work here. He rose victorious. He ascended into heaven as king. But we can point our families and brothers and sisters to look ahead in faith today too. Look ahead to Christ's return. And we can do that by making sure we have a Christian funeral. And that means, among other things, not having our remains cremated, as happens so often today, 
cremation. And then the ashes are spread out somewhere. But we can make that confession today by having a funeral with a burial and having our bodies planted in the earth as an encouragement to our brothers and sisters to continue to hope in the resurrection of our bodies. And we can add to that confession too by having songs sung at our burial, songs in which the brothers and sisters sing about Christ's salvation and the future resurrection of the body and eternal life. And by having the Word of God opened at our, our funeral and burial, that Word which speaks of the victory over death obtained by Christ, and by having an inscription placed on our memorial stone which speaks about life after death so that people passing by see that testimony pointing ahead to the return of Christ and the city which has foundations. And not only that, but congregation. Maybe the Lord gives us opportunity to see our time to leave this life coming closer. That he doesn't take us away suddenly, but we see our time coming closer. And then, then we can make a huge impact on those around us, if we call our relatives and friends, our brothers and sisters, to hold fast to Christ and to the way of life in Him. It means so much to all those who have to continue in this life if somebody on their deathbed testifies to the hope that is in them. And congregation, that has happened here. It has happened. Let it continue to happen. And don't leave the children out. They can be so encouraged to live and endure in faith too if they hear how their forefathers who leave this life testify about their faith in the God of life on their deathbed. That testimony of faith is a better inheritance to pass on to children and grandchildren than all kinds of money and earthly goods. Joseph requested that his bones be carried to and buried in the promised land by the Israelites when the Lord brought them out of Egypt, congregation. And when the Israelites carried those bones along and met with hunger and thirst in the wilderness, and when they were confronted by powerful enemies there, those bones of Joseph reminded them, look ahead, people. The Lord will do as he has promised. He is faithful. He will bring the complete redemption from sin and victory over death. We don't have bones to carry along like that to remind us of that today. We do have something, though. We have the Lord's Supper celebration. The Lord's Supper, which we hope to celebrate this afternoon. At the celebration of the Lord's Supper, we remember the death of the Savior Jesus Christ on the cross. And the signs and seals of Christ's death, the bread and the wine at the Lord's table are given by the Savior himself as a mighty encouragement to expect our complete salvation and a glorious future 
through Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished on the cross. And our risen Savior himself says to us through the bread and wine at the Lord's Supper, continue in faith in my salvation to the end, and you will enter the city which has foundations, the promised land. I will be back. Amen. Let us pray.